Hello, welcome to Growing Up Crazy, and, and I know this was supposed to be a part two, and and I'll have to push that back. It is going to be kind of a part two. It's a it's a 1.2. That is amazing. There's an absolutely beautiful snake that is just climbing this little tree, and I think he's on the hunt for lizards, and he's just doing his little thing. I'll take that as a good omen that this is uh, this is the right thing to do. So I'm going to make a sort of one and a half, and this one and a half is actually the two try to explain how I see the world and how I, what I believe to be going on here in this little reality that we call Earth. And it's all it's all based on growing up crazy stories, and I'll try to parse those out uh, as I come to them. But I had the feeling that I want to go ahead and give this condensed version of everything. Oh, wow, the snake just looks so cool. He's really on the mission. But just, oh, he's looking at me. He's so pretty. <laughs> anyway. Oh, oh, we just saw somebody. Oh, and the lizard gets away. Dang. It's amazing how quick they are, both of them. Oh, he's back on the hunt. Okay, anyway, so Growing Up Crazy 1.5. And um, so this is just the worldview. This comes as a result of all the different Growing Up Crazy experiences that I've had. And like I've always wanted to say, you know, the description is never the same thing experience. The universe can only be experienced as a state of being. And that is definitely subjective and definitely never all-inclusive. You know, we just get a little piece of it. That piece is filtered through the being that we are. And... The only way to really experience these things that we're talking about is in the now moment. You know, the universe is an experience. Reality is an experience. It is not a description. Never the twain shall meet. You know, you can use descriptions for what they're good for, which is putting stuff together after the fact. But, you know, when it's experienced in the now moment, it's just those states of being in the now present reality. And this is what I'm going to try to explain to you. And so this, but this is the description that I've come to post growing up crazy experiences. And what I've seen is that it's almost like we have a dualistic nature to our being. There, there's there's part of us. So as the universe flows, like it comes it comes at us as this infinite possibility. With this completely infinite possibility. Don't don't try to don't try to conceptualize it. Just try to just understand the meaning of what I'm talking about. It. And and also another thing to consider as well is if the idea that not everything can be described offend somebody like you really have to get to the root of that like why should that be offensive why should god be able to be described you know or understood to just say it's ineffable like it no there is you can never describe god you cannot understand you cannot understand god like you can't understand the universe you cannot understand it and that even just saying that which which should be completely apparent just from the magnitude of everything that's going on, the more we learn, the more it becomes apparent that we just have no clue and that the universe truly is infinite and incomprehensible. Yet that very statement, although it should just follow naturally from everything that we know, some reason really irks us. And and here's why I believe that, that statement irks us. Because I believe that there's two parts to our nature. One is actually, we'll just think about it like upstream and downstream. So the universe, as it's rushing towards us, as the oncoming universe, is this infinite possibility that just exists as a formless collection of infinite possibilities moving towards us. There's a part of us that exists in a state of being, and it sees that oncoming infinity. And it's able to, just through the consciousness, is what gives it form. And there's a larger consciousness that ours that is at play as well. So there's a larger consciousness that is ordering the universe, that is ordering all creation, much larger than ours. And when I say consciousness, that's just a word, like its consciousness is so far different. Like we are just a fractal of this much, much larger infinite consciousness. And this infinite consciousness is actually what's arranging the universe and we're arranging all of reality. The, the, the effect of consciousness on infinite possibility 
as it moves through consciousness is what creates reality. And we also do, there's a part of us that also does this as well. And this consciousness is almost like fractalated, like to where it's, it's, it's ever, I don't know if you know what a fractal is, but it's a repeating pattern that gets infinitely smaller and infinitely larger, both at the same time. And like, this is what I mean, that these things can't really be contained within concepts because it's like trying to count to infinity. You can start anywhere and go on forever and you'll never get anywhere closer to the number. It just, you can't do it. It cannot be done. Um, you know, good luck trying. We're almost compelled to try. We're almost hardwired to try. And I believe that's because of the dual, dualistic nature of our being. One part of us is is a fractal image of this of this infinite consciousness. And it also is able to order reality and structure reality as it's moving through it. There's another part of our consciousness that's able to analyze and describe and and is concerned with what I, what I consider the downstream flow of consciousness. Basically, after the infinite possibility has been ordered and it's been made manifest, there's another part of our being that assembles it, that puts it together, that breaks it down, that moves the pieces around. But we're basically like playing with Legos, like the work's already been done. The creation already has happened. We're just reassembling reality at this point. And, you know, of course, we can reassemble it into new and different ways. Like the instrument that I'm speaking to you right now is just reality reassembled in a different way for a specific purpose. But the actual creation happens in the upstream. Uh, with the oncoming infinite possibility that is then infected by consciousness, beginning with divine consciousness and then matriculating down to our consciousness. And then another portion of us that we're familiar with as the self is staring at the downstream after the creation has been made manifest. And then, and it can tinker, it can put around, it creates the descriptions, it, it, it analyzes and evaluates. That's its job, that's its function. It's what it's hardwired to do. That's why the part of me, our thinking selves that I'm communicating with you with and that you're receiving with, we are so set on these descriptions and these events because it's how we order reality that we find ourselves in. It's it's how we process reality and how we affect reality. But there is an entirely different side to our nature that is in the that is facing upstream, that is in the ever present now, facing upstream into the infinite possibility. And and these two sides Although complementary, it's much, it's very much like what I wrote about in my lucid dreaming manual between the waking consciousness and the dreaming consciousness. The waking consciousness is very concerned with the past and the future, analyzing the past to predict the future. The dreaming consciousness is very concerned with the right now moment as it's occurring. This is a byproduct of the dualistic size of our nature. Our waking dreaming selves is also a byproduct of our dualistic nature. We have the one side of us that, that really crafts possibility from the oncoming infinite possibility and then other side of us that then tinkers with with what's already been created and all of reality is do this doing this so so the earth as well has a consciousness when you brush up against it it and it is so dissimilar to anything that we conceive of like i I, and I'm not saying I understand the earth's consciousness whatsoever I've only brushed up against it briefly but from what I did it was so it is its own thing. The the consciousness of a planet is its own thing. I, I I find very little in like the Gaia movement to support what I've experienced. Um, it's it is so dissimilar than our consciousness. We can't even really put it into human terms. Like we like to describe Gaia when we think of it as the Earth's consciousness in terms of humanity, and especially like the the new things like oh we're harming the planet. You have no idea this this planet. It is not. It's not even about that. From what I've seen, it's not even about that. What I've seen is that the Earth, being a conscious being, actually creates the vessels that we inhabit, and the purpose is because our beings are naturally designed to channel this infinite infinity 
in like through us and then into a usable form. So the energy that we're actually channeling through the universe, it's almost like we're antennae, uh, an energetical antennae that draws to us whatever it is we're we put our perception upon and then this energy gets channeled through us and then into the earth so we're basically energy channeling vessels that that the earth has produced we occupy the body our consciousness occupies the body and our experiences or our consciousness return to the divine and the energy goes into the earth that's sort of how i've seen it laid out so it's like well, what's the meaning of life well really the earth just kicked out the body our contra kind of came down to inhabit to have these experiences the experiences return to the whole the energy goes into feed the earth and what I believe our conception of hell is that if we come become attached to that energy at all, we go with, our consciousness can go with it into the earth. And that's what we perceive of as, you know, we're not returning to source, basically, which is our, the natural bent of our nature, what we want to go. So what I think the whole thing of heaven and hell comes down to really is being overly attached to the energy, identifying overly much with the energy, holding on to the energy post-mortem, going with that energy to where it's naturally flowing to into the earth, and then really just not knowing how to let go. And then I don't think that it's for eternity. I think you're there until you figure that it's not yours. You realize that it's not all about you. You let it go and you rejoin the whole. And that's the state of bliss that we perceive as of heaven. And these are just my descriptions after the fact of the growing up crazy experiences that I've had. And But that's how the universe is ordered to me. Where it makes sense in the whole talking to you thing is because the downstream side of our nature and the upstream side of our nature are both equally magical. Like we tend to think of the downstream side of our nature as being the mundane and the upstream side as being the magical. They're, they're equally magical. The ability, like my conscious mind's ability to even operate this computer right now is, is an act of magic. It's an act of creation. And no, it's not as... Um, you know, it's it's not as, as spiritual or esoteric as being able to just um, channel channel infinite possibility into con through consciousness and, and into you know synchronicity. Which so so I got to give it the upstream portion of ourselves is pretty damn snazzy. Like it's pretty fucking cool and it's fun to play with. But these two they have such dissimilar jobs and just such dissimilar aspects. Like one being is concerned with the past and predicting the future. The other one's concerned with the, in the now moment that they don't, it's like, it's like our two, two feet of our body, the left and the right foot, like they mirror each other. We function much better together, you know, but really as a culture, as a species, we're kind of hopping around on one foot. Like we are so downstream dominant and pay so little attention to the upstream even though that's where like where the action is where the magic happens we're, we're so we're so downstream oriented that we're really just sort of hopping along on one foot and the funniest part about it is some people have learned to walk with both feet and some some few people have learned to run we tend to crucify those people <laughs> like what's he doing it's unnatural look at this man he's running it's it's sorcery <laughs> make it stop make it stop quick hop after him <laughs> you know, <laughs> catch him hold him down but the uh yeah but that's that's really just how i see it you know so we, we are made to do with uh with we're made we're made to operate with both ends portions of our nature what i think true spirituality is is being able to shift between one and the other seamlessly one and the other seamlessly as needed not being attached to one or there to be able to shift between one or the other and actually to be able to operate in either sphere well uh i don't know if there's any way to critique it but i i do the shifting i'm still kind of trying to figure out this whole 3d thing i don't know money doesn't money's the the 3d 
I'm still trying to figure that one out. You know, money's never really penetrated my mind as being important. I've given away far too much of it and, uh, through the course of my life. And it's just, it's just not relevant to me. It's just, it's just an idea. I've always seen it as an idea. Another thing is that I guess in this 3D world, we're supposed to actually, um, you know, pursue pleasure and avoid pain, mostly in our society, pain being the judgments of others, what we consider the negative judgments of others, you know, and pleasure being the acceptance of others and, and or, you know, the, the congratulations or, you know, people, people giving us props. And, and I've never, I've never had it in me to acknowledge anybody else right to judge me. Like I know they do and I know they can, and it's like monkeys flinging poo, you know, nobody wants to get hit with poo, but I don't see it that I don't acknowledge. I've never been able to acknowledge somebody else's right to judge me. It's like, who the fuck are you? Like, you you know, it's not, it doesn't occur to me naturally. And, and, and although like, I love the approval of others, I seek the approval of others, but my sense of approval comes from the inside out and it always has. And I don't know if that's more than being more upstream centered centric. I definitely need to figure out this downstream stuff because like, otherwise, you know, people just give you the kind of like the stink eye when you're walking around the park, like who's that weirdo? You know? so it's like, and it's so easy to go underneath cover. Like I just learned all I have to do is bring my, my mountain bike with me and people are like, Oh, he's riding a bike. He must be okay. Or especially if you have a dog, doesn't matter. <laughs> it's funny. Just society's just so funny and all of its quirkiness. But um, but it, it beats the hell. You know, having a ready-made cover beats the hell out of sitting there trying to explain to people. It's like, well, I actually am practicing existing in the now moment and enjoying all of creation. It's like, okay, then they kind of just want to get a little farther away. But that's really how I see things, and that's that's uh that's what I honestly believe is going on. You know, we're very much downstream focused, and and these two don't see eye to eye and they will never see eye to eye. So your downstream focus cannot describe the upstream. It will try, it'll try to create a box for it, but all descriptions, even the ones of yourself are downstream. All of them, all of them. You do not describe upstream. You only experience upstream. It can only be experienced. And the same thing is true. Like the upstream experience, it, it, it's an experience and it's an actual in the now moment. You, you can't have eternal dialogue when it's going on you you can't um or at least it doesn't come from the upstream now there's 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 a go between there's back and forth like we have you know two feet you know it's it's a complementary motion and and uh, the downstream is definitely present because i'm able to make descriptions after the fact and also awarenesses that i had in the moment i'm able to describe in words after the fact so they're both present together the same way as like with a lucid dreaming you can bring your conscious mind into the dream with you into your dreaming consciousness and they all exist sort of in a quasi state together you know no, neither one being really dominant just each one propping each other up and that's what i would call like almost like the proper state to be both with our upstream and our downstream consciousness it's there's no such thing as right because right is a downstream thing correct is a downstream thing i the best kind of downstream word i can sort of use for it is there's sort of like a proper arrangement in which each one supports the other you know where nothing's really dominant and here's the kicker though the piece of us that travels between upstream and downstream i call that the great mystery that's that's that fractal that's that fractal of the divine that's that infinite spark of the divine that is the unknowable so what is actually doing the transitioning between upstream and downstream the two the dualistic sides of our natures the great mystery we'll just call it that it's the great mystery you know, I, 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 I definitely have no, no uh, words for that one, nor do I even ever care to. I, I, uh, I try to 
it's funny past a certain point it just becomes silly it's turtles all the way down you know and and that's why i've always sort of through all of my experience i've always been leery of organized religion is because you know the, the divine is inevitable it's you it cannot be described and so when somebody comes up and is like oh no yes it can and i have the description right here and it's like mm, every single experience that i've ever had of the divine tells me that is not so i mean that it is a deeply personal subjective experience that that is far more in relationship than it is a bedtime story i'll just just say it for what it is i mean it's it's um i mean christ think about it right now we have we have contemporary individuals where a biography is written about them and they don't get it right you know so if especially and i'm kind of leaning towards christianity when i'm talking about this but it, it the same applies for all things but especially for christianity that's my background it's not even an autobiography it's a biography and and we can't even perform and it's a biography that's been rewritten many times through many different languages by many different people and societies and we can't even get a biography correct for present day people that have lived contemporarily with us so you know just take it for what it is and its shortcomings and its limitations and and we shouldn't be trying to place these exalted expectations upon these things because it has no place. It really is a personal relationship with the divine. The same thing with our relationship with our own bodies and our body and the same thing as the relationship with the earth. Our bodies are, are intrinsically connected to the earth. And by listening to them, you do get a sense of the consciousness with the earth and our bodies. And this is another grown up crazy story, but our bodies are, are very much in the here now moment, far more so than our, than our downstream consciousness even is because the earth's consciousness is far more tied into that upstream momentum as well and it's very good at it and like like you put it this way like you take like your depressed teenager that's that's cutting their arms or whatever the body doesn't care what state of mind you're in their bodies just know it's been damaged it's going to repair itself life flows through your body we're the ones that mess all of that up you know we are but the body doesn't care if you try try to hold yourself underwater past a certain point the body will just overpower you and do what it to do because it's tied into that divine nature and that spirit and that existence of the universe. It doesn't care. We're the only ones that care. And that's and the attachment that we have and the self-importance that we have comes from our attachment to our downstream process. All When we become attached to the downstream process, that's where we come, come up with uh, self-importance and also the identities that we have of ourselves. That's all downstream. Our self-identity is downstream. Upstream has no sense of self-identity. It just is. It just exists. So, so that's the one thing to remember, I guess, when you're considering the downstream, because we're always trying to make it okay, you know, and there's all these questions about, like, well, what about evil and all of those things? And the, the critical thing to remember is that there exists a space that we can occupy that makes absolutely everything okay. And that space is the upstream and the downstream working together. All right, cheers. Growing up crazy. And uh, and this is definitely to be fleshed out later. I just wanted to put this out there as as part of how I see the world. So it'll hopefully make a lot of these future things make sense. And then I'll get into the stories and, and why I believe the way I do. Because it's just what I've, I've the decision, the descriptions I've come to post having experiences like this. So much love. Growing up crazy. Cheers. <laughs>